Hi, this is Lynn Wayman. I'm the CEO of Contacts Count. Today we're going to talk with Manny about how to connect and converse and collaborate so that you, entrepreneurs, can build your business and fuel your future growth. Well, hello, hello, my ambitious friends, and welcome to 2000 Books. Every Monday and Wednesday, we bring you the most important actionable ideas from the world's greatest books for ambitious entrepreneurs, books in the field of startups, marketing, sales, productivity, management, leadership, strategy, personal development, and much, much more. And I am your host, Manny Vaya. Lynn Weyman is the co-founder of Contacts Count, a premier consulting and training firm specializing in business and professional networking. She has co-authored two books, and today we're talking about her remarkable book on networking, Make Your Contacts Count, Networking Know-How for Business and Career Success. Lynn, I'm really excited to have you on the show. This has been a topic of great interest for me, so welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really excited about this topic because this year, actually, I have made it a focus for my business, for my life, to work on the people side of life. So this is a really exciting discussion for me, and I'm excited to hear why should an ambitious entrepreneur read this book, listen to this book. I want to hear from your side. Well, thanks, Manny. In order to answer that question, let me ask our listeners to do something. Grab a piece of paper and pencil, write down the names of five people who know enough about your business that they can talk about it, that if their neighbor or their business partner or their colleague says, how can I do this or where do I find that, that these five people that you write down can talk about you and your business and especially about your character and your competence. If you can write down the names of five people or better yet, 10 who can do that, then you have a wonderful beginning for the word of mouth process that will really fuel your business growth. So in this book and in this interview, we're going to talk about what are some strategies and some tools and some daily practices that you can do to create more than five people who know your character and competence and can talk about you and your business in a way that energizes other people to reach out to you. This is great. We're starting off with action items. I love it. That's the essence of learning. So this makes so much sense. We need to assess where we are in order to be able to go where we're going. And before we jump more into the details of the interview, I want you to tell our listeners, what's your story? What's your business story? And what led you to writing this book? My business story is that when I started a speaking and training business about 20 years ago, I didn't have this skill of networking, of connecting, of conversing, of collaborating with people. And so I figured, well, gosh, I would lo really love to stay in business. I was teaching things like management skills. And I'd love to stay in business, but I think I have to learn this skill in order to do it. So at that time, Manny, what I did was I read everything I could find about the skill of networking and business development and connecting with other people. And it really didn't help me that very much. So I began to interview people. I interviewed people who were good at it just by observation and other people who found it difficult, as I did, who were bad at it. And I began to develop my very own system for how this works. 
How do you reach out and build a circle of people and influencers and contacts who know your character and competence? Then one day I was talking with my sister and she was doing the same thing inside of Sprint. So, and working on building women's networks. She was the director of communications. So anyway, we put our heads together. We always have loved working together and being together. And we said, let's write a book. So our first book came out more than 20 years ago. And from there, we just began doing more workshops and trainings and training programs and webinars and keynotes all over the country. She lived in Kansas City and did the West Coast and Midwest. And I tended to stay on the East Coast. Now we have a cadre of trainers who go out and do this work. They're all certified contacts count trainers. And they're all over the U.S. And we have some in Australia, Portugal, and India also. So anyway, it's been a wonderfully fun business. And I've loved every minute of it, getting to know people and different professions and seeing what they could teach me about these tools. And this is a fascinating story. started from training and doing speaking to now doing contacts, like teaching about networking, something that you started learning and now you're teaching that. So sometimes the best stuff to teach is the stuff we're most excited about learning. So Exactly. And I feel the pain, Manny. I mean, I know what it's like to not feel comfortable walking into a room full of people. I used to walk into a room at a conference or something like that, and I would think things to myself like, gosh, I wonder how long I have to stay to be polite. Or I would think, ah, I know what I'll do. I'll go over there and eat another olive. That would be fun. So, you know, I really did feel the pain of not knowing any tools or strategies. Our studies show, Manny, that about 20% of the general population are what we call natural networkers. And then about 10 or 20% are people who say, no way, never, leave me alone. I'm not going to learn this. I do other things, and that's it. And then in the middle, there's 60 or 70% who, if they had a system, if somebody had worked out the tools and the strategies, they would do it. They would learn it. So those are the people that I'm really talking to, either the 20% who are natural networkers and could learn a lot more and learn how to teach others because then they would have the language to do it and the tools or the 60 or 70 percent who are ripe and just never ran into any system. Yeah. And today you're talking to entrepreneurs and there's one thing that's common amongst entrepreneurs. We all realize the importance of people yeah. and we realize the importance of connecting with people because that is the greatest resource we have access to in our lives. So today you're talking to the 100% audience that's interested <laughs> in what exactly you're teaching. So Wonderful. Yeah. And as you said, there's a system, there's a process. And in the book, you outline a system. You start off, there's four parts of the book. And I'll quickly outline that because I want to focus on one part that I think would help people tremendously just to get a feel for the book in some ways. You know, you start off by the first part is survey your skills and mindset. Second part is about setting your strategy. The third part is sharpening the skills. And the fourth part is selecting your settings as in where you will use your networking skills. Did I get that right? Yes, you did. You sure did. Perfect. So let's start. I want to delve into the strategy part of the equation because I think that's where a lot of people don't even spend any time. We just go to a networking event or we just go to an event or a conference assuming that somehow 
it will all fall into place. Mm -hmm. So tell us why the setting your strategy part is so important. Well, you've hit the nail on the head. It's the practical tools that people want to hear. In fact, I remember one time, Manny, I was about to give a keynote and a fellow came up to me before he understood what I was going to talk about. And he said, oh, I tried networking last Thursday. It doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, oh, boy. I'm glad you're in this audience because you've got a few things to learn. It is a a process over time. In fact, we say it's uh, you learn these skills over time, not overnight. Mm -hmm. So, Manny, one strategy we could talk about are the three key moments. Would you like me to go there right now? There's quite a few that I want to talk about. Uh, So let let me start off by kind of explaining or kind of getting your ideas on the key understandings you said the key understandings that we need to have are how trust develops and how relationships develop. So let's talk about each of them. How does trust develop? Okay, and this is an important area because today's digitally dominated world, there are a lot of uh, distractions and distortions about networking. People think, oh, I've got 500 people on LinkedIn or I've got millions of people on Facebook, so I have a network. But actually, they're just plugged in. They're not connected. The question you have to ask yourself about your electronic connections, which can be very useful, don't get me wrong. The question you have to ask is, if I called this person up or ran into them at a professional event or at the grocery store, would they know me and would they take my call? That's what you have to ask. So the strategy is that These are not just social nicety tips. These are business necessity tips. So let's talk about trust. Trust is achieved when you realize that there's going to be little or no risk in relating to somebody. So suppose you're an entrepreneur and you think, boy, it'd be nice to have a partner. Or, gosh, I think I'll get out of my home office and I'll go rent an office, uh, sublet it from somebody else maybe. And You only do that if you have trust, if you think there's little or no risk in relating to this person. So trust is built through six stages of trust building. And the the thing that entrepreneurs love to find out is that there are appropriate things to do and say at each stage of the trust building process. I think I'll try to run through them real quickly, Manny, okay? Yeah, but before we do that, I think you talk about the idea that trust is built of two different components. So let's explain those before we get into six steps. All right. Yes, what you're trying to do when you build trust is show people your character and your competence. Now, your character is things like, do you show up on time? Do you keep the gossip and negative talk to a minimum or a zero even? Do you do what you say you're going to do? And competence is, are you keeping up in your field? Are you at the top of your game? If you're a CPA or you're a masseuse, whatever you are, are you really good at it? And do you keep on learning? And do you show people what you've learned? Do you do demonstrations and let people know your level of competence, that you're one of the best? 
So let's talk about the stages. If you imagine a bullseye, imagine that outside the bullseye are what we call accidents. These are people you run into randomly and you'll never have a chance to see them again unless you initiate the reconnection. So maybe you sit next to somebody on the airplane, for instance. Most of those don't turn into long-term relationships. Inside the first circle or the bullseye are what we call acquaintances. These are people that you meet through other people. You could find them again through a friend. So maybe you go to a Thanksgiving dinner at the friend of a friend's and you meet somebody there that you'd like to reconnect with for business reasons, you could find that person again through your friend. Then inside the next circle are what we call associates. These are people who have joined the same groups that you've joined. So whether it's a gym, whether it's a health club, or it's a professional association, all of those people are your associates. And now you have permission to talk with them. That might be an alumni group. It might be a leisure time activity. It might be a professional association, might even be the Chamber of Commerce. So now because you've joined the same groups and you're all members, you have permission to talk with them. Inside the next circle are what we call actives. These are people that you're actively engaged with. You're exchanging information and resources. They probably recognize your face. They probably remember your name. And at this point is when the very important thing that you mentioned, Manny, happens. People begin to see your character and competence because of what you say and do. When they see that, they move to the next stage, which is called advocates. These are people who've experienced your character and competence and they liked what they saw. So at this stage, when they have moved from active to advocate, this is actually where real relationship building is actively happening, right? That's right. Until this point, this has been rather more of touch and go, but now we're actively engaging with these people. They won't have the opportunity to see our character and our competence unless we are face-to-face with them, unless we're talking to them and learning each other's stories, learning each other's work and everything else. Right. Yeah. Listening generously and thinking about what you can give to them at the active stage so that you can exhibit your character and competence. And that does help you move to the advocate stage. At the advocate stage, they're willing to go out on a limb for you. They're willing to uh, say, oh, you've got to get on Manny's show. He's wonderful. He's a great interviewer. He reads your book before he interviews you. He's wonderful. Let me give you his phone number. Let me get you two together. So that's what advocates do for you. In this closest stage of what we call networking are allies, right in the center of the bullseye. Allies are people that you can commiserate with, you can celebrate with. The trust is very, very high. You can even say things to an ally like, I am going to wring this client's neck. And the ally knows that you are just blowing off steam. You'll get off it. You will solve the problem. You will do great customer service. So allies know you both in your personal and professional life. I think of them as being on the board of directors of my life. And you're going through life together. They know you personally and professionally. And I want to point out one thing, Manny, and that is... You don't need very many allies. You don't have time or emotional energy for very many allies. Maybe three, four, five, six. My sister, who I started my business with, is certainly an ally. But mostly what you want to find and create through the conversations you have are actives 
who are able to see your character and competence and advocates who believe in your character and competence. So the book outlines all of these and there's even a quiz where you can rate your relationships and see where you are with people, see what stage of trust you're at with them. This is fascinating because allies to me are advocates, but who are also your friends in some ways, who are your real friends, who look out for you, who are going to not just make business connections, but they truly care for you. That's right. You discuss big decisions with them. You know, should I open a second office in Dallas? Mm. Should I go back to school? Should I take a partner on? Things like that. So this is the board of directors, as you said. That's right. Now, allies, you say we can have three to five and that's enough. We don't have to go crazy and find 10 allies because it's just not realistic for most of us. Is there a certain number you have in mind when it comes to advocates and actives? Well, you can't have too many advocates, can you? I mean, people who will speak well of you and who know know your character and competence. You just can't have too many. I don't want to put a number on it. And then actives are people that you are an active relationship with. So again, that fuels who might become an advocate. So I don't like to give a number for it. Okay, so let me give you an example. Now, I could be an advocate for you knowing that I have read your book, I have learned from you, and I know that Lynn delivers, Lynn is on time, Lynn knows her subject, I'm an advocate. Or would it be more along the lines of, let's say, I have a friend who I can be an advocate because I know them and have spent a lot of time with them. So where is the delineation here? Between a friend and an advocate? Or between an active and an advocate? Well, at the active stage, you're still teaching people about your character and competence. That's what the stage is about. And people see it because of what you say and do. But at the advocate stage, they believe in your character and competence. So can this be a one to many? Let me give you another example. Tony Robbins. I love his teaching. I love his work. Been to his seminar. Now, I've never met the guy personally one-to-one, but I am an advocate for his teachings and I actually send people to his seminars. Now, is that where we're getting at when it comes to advocate? Well, often advocate is a two-way street. So Mm, to the sense that he doesn't know you, that's a different kind of advocate than what I'm talking about. I'm talking about relationship here. Got it. That's what I wanted to clarify to make sure that we're talking about a two-way street here. Okay. Yeah. Good. All right. Perfect. So we have these six stages. It's almost like the increasing levels of trust in this whole six stage all the way to the bullseye and their allies. Now, let's talk about putting a project in place or it's almost like realizing how do we go about now realizing our goals? How do we attack our goals with networking in mind? Well, you could put together a strategic positioning project. We talk about that in our book. Uh, I think it's in uh, chapter five. five, yeah. And what that is, is a long-range project to teach as many people as you can around you about your character and competence. And so you choose a project. It might be, for instance, you want it, you decide that it would really build your business if you became the president of your local chamber of commerce chapter. And so you are currently just a member So this may take two or three years. It may take activities such as working on committees, getting to know people, maybe doing a speech at the Chamber of Commerce, maybe contributing to a committee of some sort. So you decide based on the amount of time you have, the amount of money you have and the goals you have, that you're going to choose this as your strategic positioning project because you think being the president and the past president 
will really attract business to you and give you the visibility that you need. So Mm -hmm. that's a good example. So planning our strategic positioning projects, there's a lot that goes into it, just like you described, like designing the long-term project and realizing this is the arena. Oh, by the way, arena. You talk about having six arenas to participate in and using those six arenas as a way to forward your goals. What's an arena and how does that work? Okay, well, an arena is any kind of group or activity that you're in where you can create visibility and get to know people and they get to know you. So I used to take jazz singing lessons. That would have been an arena for me when I lived in Washington, D.C. Did that for 14 years, so I met a lot of people through that and actually some of them became clients. Another arena might be a professional association, the Chamber of Commerce or Rotary, or if you're in the IT business, there are many, many different kinds of professional associations, whatever business you're in, there are. Another one might be an alumni group. Another arena might be a a church or synagogue or mosque that you go to. And that creates a whole circle of people you can become visible to and especially be teaching them about your character and competence. Another one might be what we call a wild card arena. This is where you just do something that you've never done before. I have a friend who works with a team of people who go to a homeless shelter once a month. And they get together and cook the dinner, and then they take it down there and serve it. So he's gotten to know a whole new set of people, and they do, every once in a while, talk about business. And they certainly get to know each other's character and competence. Got it. So we have to, as as we have our big picture goal in mind, let's say a five-year goal in mind, or a Mm -hmm. three-year goal in mind, or even a one-year goal in mind, now we have to consciously pick the arenas in which we'll participate in so that they move us forward towards our goal. That's exactly right. And in the book, there's a couple of chapters. One is about how to make the most of any professional association that you belong to and how to go to a conference all the tips that you need to mm-hmm. meet people and connect and converse and collaborate at conferences and meetings, trade shows. Yeah. And one of the ideas that I found fascinating as it revolves around planning our strategic positioning projects is the idea of the doorway test. Because as we're getting even more strategic with designing our network and using our arenas and using our goals to position ourselves, the doorway test is really critical, right? Right. Tell us about it, because I think that was a big revelation to me. Okay. Well, here's a good example. There's a fellow in Kansas City who is a financial planner. He's an independent business person, and he also likes ballroom dancing. So he decided that he would join a ballroom dancing group And he noticed very quickly that many of the people in the ballroom dancing group were over 50. They were close to retirement or retired. And he realized all of a sudden, wow, this is a wonderful marketplace for me. I'm in the doorway where people who are my potential clients are streaming through. And as he began to know people and get to know people and they knew him, he acquired more and more clients from that arena, from that doorway. Mm. So it's almost our job to find a doorway or to create a doorway, right? Yep. Yeah. Find it or create it. Yep. And so it's an intersection in some ways of who do we need to know and where will we find them and how to participate in those arenas and how do we want them to perceive us? That's really important. It is. And where will your character and your competence really shine? 
you know, he was a fabulous ballroom dancer. So people take, you maybe read about this, Manny, in the book. People make the all or nothing leap. They figure, okay, if he's good at ballroom dancing, he shows up on time, he continues to learn, he's gracious, he's fun to be with, then he must be a good financial planner. Mm, yeah, it's the all or nothing test where if someone sees us doing something well, they assume we're doing everything else well in our lives. Exactly right. And that creates a lot of trust, mm -hmm. implicit trust without us having to show our competence in another area because we've showed our competence in one area and that is enough for them to believe other areas are good as well. Yes, people often make the leap. And of course, the converse is true too. If you do something poorly, they're going to think that you do your business poorly. Wow, fascinating. And the other test, I think along those same lines is the pig in the mud test, which you talk about. <laughs> it's really funny, but it makes so much sense. Tell us about that one. Okay, the pig in mud test. I'm originally from Kansas, so I actually have seen a pig in mud. If you've seen one, you will know that pigs are happy. They love to be in the mud. They wallow. They smile. Yes, pigs can smile. They roll around. They don't want to be any place else. So this rule of finding a good strategic project says, do something that you really love, something that's going to feed your soul, something that will enhance your life. I'm thinking now of the fellow, I believe he was an independent attorney, and he decided that he would get himself on the board of Children's Hospital in Washington, D.C. And that really touched his heart because his daughter's life had been saved there. So he was happy. If he had to go out to a board meeting on Thursday night or Saturday morning, it was fine with him. He was thrilled. He was like a pig in mud. <laughs> this is great because what you're saying is we got to pick our arenas very carefully. We got to pick our arenas, the places where we play in, those are the things that we should be enjoying doing. We can't just go with the goal of, okay, I have this five-year vision in mind, so I must become the chairman of this kind of board. And even though we don't enjoy it, we continue to push it. That's not going to work, right? That is not going to work because your character and competence will not be evident. You'll be grumpy and you'll be mean-spirited. So find something you love. That's great. And it, just as I said that, I realized we also mentioned the another another test there, which is the bottom line test, whether this arena or this networking project will take us to where we not want to go, the desired goal. That's right. Mm -hmm. Right. Good. This is so good. I'm, you know, because I am actively involved now with applying this in my business. So yeah, I'm excited to put this more in motion now that we've had this discussion in detail even more. And I want you to tell me about your successes as you do this, okay? Absolutely. I will keep you posted and I'll make sure our listeners keep you posted because uh, at the end of the interview, I'll ask you where to find you. And I'm hoping that if you have a Twitter or something like that, they can tell you how they have been successful at it. Wonderful. Yeah, that'll be fun. Okay, so we've talked a lot about the strategic side of building our network. But at this time, Lynn, what I want to do is hand this back to you and tell us anything else that you have learned over the years that you found really fascinating or you found the most important from your perspective. I kind of explored the book from my perspective, but I want to explore it from your perspective as well. Okay, thanks, Manny. Well, let me tell about the three key moments because I think those are very central for entrepreneurs. There are actually three key moments 
that will come up over and over and over and over and over again every time you're with people. Let me tell you what the three are and then I'll talk just a little bit about each one. The first one is the name exchange. You give your name, I give my name. Most people miss the boat here. They say, I can't remember names. So I want to tell you a couple of strategies for doing that. The second key moment is when people say, hey, what do you do? Mm. And you've got to have a good answer, an answer that engages people and that teaches people what to come to you for. So I'll show you what that formula is in just a moment. And there's a whole chapter in the book on it. The third key moment is when people say, hey, Manny, how are you doing? What's new? What's up? Mm. And fortunately, usually the conversation goes like this. Hey, how are you? Not bad. What's new? Oh, not too much. Same old thing, but working really hard. Oh, me too, working really hard. Yeah, I know what you mean. Well, it's raining today, but it's supposed to be nice tomorrow. Okay, well, we needed rain anyway, so that's good. So listen, I'll see you later. Okay, good to see you. Bye. Yep. You know, this is a conversation in search of a topic, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. And it's been done way too much. So the third key moment is being ready to say something when people say, how are you or what's new? So let's go back to the first one, the name exchange. How can I teach my name so that people get it? Well, we use the Forrest Gump rule. Do you remember in the movie he said his first name twice? I'm Forrest, Forrest Gump. Mm. I say I'm Lynn, Lynn Wayman. I'm way down at the end of the alphabet, Wayman. <laughs> so it's, it's up to you to have a trick or a tip for teaching your name, either your first name or your last name. And say your first name twice and say it slowly because you're no, not just saying your name, you're teaching your name. Slow down, linger longer over the name exchange. If you want to learn somebody's name, the way to do it is to repeat it back. So I'd say, hi, Manny. Then I would hang on to your name long enough to introduce you to one other person at that event. Whether it's 30 seconds later or three hours later, that's your job as a great connector. Introduce this person to one other person and that'll help you learn the name. Mm. So that's a quick tour about the name exchange, the first key moment. The second key moment is when people say, what do you do? We have a formula at Contacts Count, which is outlined in the book with lots of examples for answering the question. Here's the formula. Give one talent or skill that you want this person to know about of your many, many, many talents or skills. And then in a second sentence, tell about a time that you saved the day or solved the problem or served the client. Let me give you three examples. Mm -hmm. One is from a CPA who has her own practice down in Leesburg, Virginia. If she says, I'm a CPA, people go, oh, nice, interesting, wonderful, good, that's great. Yeah, no conversation there. So in our workshop, she learned, she came up with this example using our formula. I negotiate with the IRS, or she could say, I'm a CPA who negotiates with the IRS. That's her talent or skill. The second sentence is, I just convinced the IRS that my client's horse farm is a business, not a hobby. Now, would you want to talk with her? She'd be easy to talk with. She'd be easy to introduce to somebody else. You'd remember that when you need a CPA who's good at this stuff, you'd call Karen. Mm. Okay, a second example. A woman who is an independent consultant, an organizational development consultant. Boy, that would be a conversation stopper if she said that. <laughs> so what she came up with, Manny, is she says, 
this is just one of many examples or many answers. She says, I help teams that are falling apart. Isn't that wonderful? Falling apart is so visual wow. and so lacking in jargon. Don't use any jargon that people won't get. I help teams that are falling apart. She said, I just led a retreat for eight people, and they were so thrilled to find out that people from four generations really can work together. Mm. So those are great examples and great applications of what we call the best test rule. The best is one talent or skill, and the test is a time you save the day, solve the problem, or serve the client. I challenge you listeners to come up with three or four answers that follow that formula. So that when people say, what do you do? You can get into conversation, you'll be teaching them your character and competence, and you will really just have a wonderful relationship after that conversation. This is great. This is great. And the third one was? Oh, yes. The third one is answering, hi, how are you? What's new? What's going on? And one way to do that is to come up with a brief example or story. So for me, if somebody says that to me tonight or tomorrow, I might say, well, I just I had a wonderful interview with Manny Vaya, and he interviewed me for his 2000 Books website. I was going to be on a podcast. So you tell him something that you've done recently. Mm, that's interesting because then it triggers a conversation rather than just keeping it kind of vanilla. Yes, it's not a, a ho-hum conversation. It's a real conversation. And they yeah. react to it then and they tell you what they've been up to. There was a study recently done by Adam Grant who wrote a book called Give and Take yep. about networking. And he says, according to his studies, that only 27% of people in America made an introduction in the last year. In other words, only 27% introduced someone they knew well enough, they knew their character and competence, to someone else. Mm. Now, that's a pitiful statistic, isn't it? Yeah. And it's such an easy thing to do. So for our listeners, when you know somebody and you believe in their character and competence, a next thing to think about to build a relationship is, who can I introduce this person to, to further their network, to help them build their business? Because what goes around comes around. They may think to refer you to somebody, introduce you to somebody. Yep, yep. This is so actionable. This is great. And I was going to ask you for specific action items, but it seems like that's exactly what you just gave us, three specific things we can do when we meet someone. So that's that. I guess that's the challenge to our listeners today to go out and think about people in their lives that who they can introduce to other people in their lives and make everyone's life better in the process. That's the essence of being a connector in some ways, being someone who can actually do the very best with the resources they have in terms of people. Yeah. And it shows people that you're generous and you're well-connected, yeah. that you're thinking of them, that you're not always thinking of your business. Yeah. One of the things I've learned over the years, Lynn, in my business is that one of the most selfish things we can do in our business is to be generous. Yes. It's a paradox. I see. Because when we are being generous, mm -hmm. that is when we get the most back from people. I see what you mean. Yeah. I finally caught on, Manny. Thank you. I got <laughs> yes. it. Yeah. It's it's paradoxical, but it's so beautiful. It's so true. Only when we're truly generous is when we get the most from life. I understand. Yeah. Yes. Good. <laughs> awesome. Well, 
Thank you so much for everything you've taught us today, Lynn. Tell our listeners how can they find you, get hold of you, uh, learn from you, and any new projects you're working on. Well, as Manny says, we encourage you to find the Make Your Contacts Count book on uh, the Amazon website and order it. Mm-hmm. And we encourage you to go to Contacts Count LLC, contactscount.com, and there's a lot of free articles there. There's a newsletter you can sign up for that comes out about once a month, and it's full of tips and strategies and tools that will remind you of best practices in networking and help you build your business. And we'd love to hear from you. I'm in Newtown, Pennsylvania, and the website has all the contact information. So let us know how it's going and what your questions are. Boom. Well, thank you very much, Lynn. Again, I appreciate the time, the energy, and the enthusiasm you brought to this interview today. Uh, I'm sure our listeners learned a whole lot from it because I did. So thank you. Thank you, Manny. So my ambitious friends, I have a very important question for you. What is the single biggest indicator and predictor of success? Because in my reading of over 1,000 books, I have found out that there is one common thread, one common indicator that ties all of the greatest success stories in this world. And this is a factor that has been emphasized again and again and again in the greatest books ever written on the topic of accomplishing our goals. The greatest thinkers and achievers have all said the same thing. From Marcus Aurelius, the Stoic philosopher 2,000 years ago, to the greatest UFC fighters of today. And from champion athletes like Babe Ruth and Michael Jordan to big-time entrepreneurs like Elon Musk. So here at 2000 Books, we have created a 90-day course specifically on this topic, where we summarize 40 of the greatest books ever written on this topic. So reading these books, reading these 40 books can take you almost 250 plus hours. And if you read one hour every day, Monday through Friday, every week, this reading can take you a year. But what we have done is we have summarized the knowledge from these books into daily five to 10 minute bite-sized videos so that you can absorb a new idea or a couple of new ideas every single day and take action on them, take action on them. And Build them over time over a period of 90 days. So come check out this course at 2000books.com slash tough. That's T-O-U-G-H, tough. Or text the word tough, T-O-U-G-H, to 44222 and get more information on this course. The course is now live and you can join at any time. And I look forward to seeing you on the inside of the course.